Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to talk about an article that I stumbled across in the Washington Post and the personal finance section titled Systemic Racism, Not $200 Air Jordans, Suppresses Black Wealth. Uh, it goes on to say people often blame black American spending habits for the country's shocking racial wealth gap. But the real problem is rooted in racial inequalities Well, racial inequities. Written by Michelle Singletary. Now, this article is from November 6th, 2020. But the basis of said article it's still relevant, right? Still relevant. It's a year old, but it's still relevant, right? So, when I saw this particular title, I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew what I knew what this was going to say. But I got excited because I have new information. Because as Neely Fuller says, I'm still learning. So I have new information. So when I look at certain things, I can really dig into it and I can understand it and say, look, they're not in, they're not incorporating this particular thing, right? Because there are certain talking points that I've noticed, right? Because I've been reading Doctor Doctor Soul's book, Discrimination and, and Disparities, and I've been able to look at these particular different things, and I can look at it and say, oh, wait a minute, they're not going as deep in this as they need to. Which again, which is something that I alluded to on my Missing Pieces uh, podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check that out. So, the article starts off, she's talking about uh, her grandmother, you know, staying with her grandmother and stuff like that. That particular part doesn't really have a lot to do with the article, other than the fact that later on in the article, or as we get further down, it talks about black people and their spending habits as it pertains to how they dress, right? But, we'll get there. So, as I always do when I do an article, we're going to pull out certain pieces, we're going to discuss it, and we're going to move on. That's why I always like to tell you where I get the article from and the person that writes the article. So that way, if you want to go back and read the whole thing in its entirety, you can go ahead and do it, right? So, first thing that's emboldened, right? It says, it's a common misconception. Black people would be wealthier if they just didn't spend so much on clothes, sneakers, and cars. Like so many other misrepresentations, when it comes to black people and how they spend and save, stereotypes, uh, stereotypes supplant substantive analysis, right? And that's one of those words. I don't know if it's my country, southern vernacular, but substantive is a word that <laughs> is stumping me, right? But substantive right so and right on cue we get a statistic right we get a statistic and i am falling in love with statistics now simply because i understand that the statistics are gonna be there but the way that the statistics are presented they're not incorporating every single thing right so here we go 
White families have the highest level of median and mean family wealth. We got 188,200 and 983,400, right? That's the median and the mean. Black families' median and mean wealth is less than 15% that of white families at 24,100 and 142,500. <laughs> now, I, mu I will admit, prior to reading Discrimination and Disparities, I would have looked at that and I said, oh, man, that's wild. But after understanding everything that's put into this particular statistic, I'm not as shocked. I'm shocked in some ways, but I'm not as shocked. Right. And I'm going to I'm going to break it down, because if you didn't listen to my uh, episode of Missing Pieces, I'm I'm giving you a little a little of what's in that. So. One of the things that we know, right. In excess of 60% of all black households are headed by a single black female. In excess of 60%. White families are down in excess of right around 20. So that's a 40% difference. So when we look at that, we have to understand that in situations like that, that is going to hurt. 60% is a lot. But I said in excess of 60. So that's going to hurt the overall picture, right? It's going to hurt the overall picture if we have single mothers that are trying to raise two, let's just say one child. We don't even have to say two or three. Let's just say one child, especially if she doesn't have that support system in place. That's going to hurt, right? Another thing that we that we we understand is that black people do not participate in the stock market. Right? Black people don't participate in the stock market. Black people do not have life insurance at the same rate of white people because one of the things about your life insurance policy is if a person in your family dies, let's say they have a five hundred some odd thousand dollar life insurance policy or a million dollar life insurance policy, right? After the estate taxes are are, are paid, um, and even in which I learned this from the Earn Your Leisure podcast, right, is that wealthy people can put their insurance policy in a trust, and so that money is not calculated in their estate taxes. So once they're gone, that money from that trust can be extracted. It just doesn't go on part of the, the estate taxes, right? So, and and later on in this article, she talks about um, things that are that are passed down. But let's just let's keep it on that particular level, right? So, if a person has a mean, right, the highest level of income or wealth is at nine hundred eighty-three thousand four hundred dollars. I'm gonna use an example. It's an extreme example, but it's an example nonetheless because. These are names of people that, you know, we have to, we just, we know, we don't have to dig and find these people. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, right? Elon Musk, his net worth continues to go up. I don't, I don't even know what it is now. I mean, it's, it's up there, right? Same for Jeff Bezos and Jeff Bezos had a divorce and he's still up there, right? But 
the vast majority of their wealth is tied to the valuation of their businesses. So, we have to look at it and say, okay, well, do black people have businesses that are tied to their wealth? Not at an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos, right? Let's just let's just say, do are there black people with businesses in, in, in enough numbers that can substantiate this? And the answer to that is is no, because the top is 142,500 in wealth compared to 983,400. And we have instances in which people have businesses and they take these businesses public, right? So those are two particular different things. Now, later on this article, you know, she talks about housing, right? And that's that's a that's a big a big issue. But let's let's talk about stock market. Let's talk about entrepreneurship business. Let's talk about life insurance, right? Those three particular things right there, while they may not shut the gap, it sure as hell can 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 close can 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 encounter it at a at a much faster pace. So these are particular things that we understand, right? As well as the aspect of us as black people trying to make it work if we're in a a relationship in which both of us are black, right? So those are particular different those are particular things that we need to to talk about. But again, when you read this None of these, even though all of these, all of those, everything that I just named off to you is included in this, the person that presents it to you is not presenting it to you in that way. They want you to just look at 983 to 142 and 188 to 24. Nothing more, nothing less. Without including all of the variables that go into this, right? So a person, if, you, if, you're, if you're involved in the stock market, you know one thing, compound interest. You know dividends. You know capital gains. You know all of that. You know those three particular things right there can increase your wealth exponentially. And the name of the investing game is the longer you're in it, the more that you can make. And if black people are not participating in it, again, these particular numbers do not have to be daunting. They don't have to be eye-opening. You can look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, that, that, and that, that contributes to this, this wealth gap, and. That's not systemic, right? So, let's move on. So, we talked about expenditures, right? Because we're talking about $200 Air Jordans. It says, black households spend an average of $639 on footwear. This was 2019, compared to 419 for all households. And she's getting this statistic from the label Labor Department's 2019 Consumer Expenditure Survey. Okay? So that's a little bit over $200. That's that's really not a big number. It says when it came to women's and girls' clothing, black households spent $784 compared with with a national average of $704. So basically when you look at these particular numbers, black people are not spending... A law, an, an absorbent amount of money on 
expenditures such as footwear and clothing, right? So it's, it's really not a, a, a tremendous gap, right? Which is the one of the points of the article is it's not spending that is based on these particular numbers. It's not, it's not a spending issue, right? It's not a spending issue. So uh, moving on, she talks about um, Blackish and one of the the lines from Blackish, where one of the main characters said to a white colleague, said, We have to dress the part just to get the part that you already have, right? So that was an interesting thing. So the next thing that's emboldened, right? It says, For many families, housing is the biggest component of their wealth. The typical white family has almost eight times the wealth of a typical black family. Again, housing is a component of it. It is. Make no mistake about it. It is a big component of it. But also, the other three things, along with housing, are components of it as well. Right? So I feel like this kind of pushes the the whole narrative about, you know, wanting affordable housing and things like that. Right? So, moving on down. Uh, It gets into the aspect of clothing, right? So she brings up a sociologist and author uh, named Tressie McMillan McMillan Codem, right? In one of the books, Thick and Other Essays. So it says in an excerpt for Zora, a literary platform for women of color titled The Poor Can't Afford Not to Wear Nice Clothes, Codem says such overspending isn't necessarily irresponsible. Right. So I'm I'm going to read this whole thing as an entirety. Right. It says at the heart of the incredulous statements about their about the poor decisions poor people make is a belief that we, the hardworking, sensible, not poor, would never be like them. She writes, we would know better. We would know to save our money, excuse status symbols, cut coupons, practice sacrifice. Well, yes, practice sac- well, sacrifice to amass a million dollars. You have no idea what you would do if you were poor until you are poor. All right. So. Here's another thing, right? It says, even as pricey as they are, Air Jordan sneakers aren't keeping poor black children from a college education. Parents can scrape up enough money for the shoes, but the cost of a college education can be prohibitive. And in many instances, it can. Right? College is one of those things that it's expensive, right? It's expensive. But again... If you're saying that a person can scrap up enough money for a pair of $200 shoes, then again, we again we have to really stop and think. The cost of <laughs> the stock, Nike, is a lot cheaper than one pair of shoes, right? Moving on. It says it's not that whites are better money managers, which I don't 
I don't necessarily believe that either. I think a lot of a lot of you know a lot of other factors um, go into that, right? Like I said, mainly the aspect of a lot of in excess of sixty percent of all black households are led by single black mothers, right? You don't have that that extra person, that male, or or even if if you go that way, maybe in some instances another female, right? That's working in there to try to you know get you over the hump, right? So so going back down, we already read this headline. It says the typical white family has almost eight times the wealth of a typical black family, largely because of racist housing policies that facilitated wealth creation for white Americans while denying blacks the same path to prosperity, says Derek Hamilton, an economist who studies racial and ethnic inequality, right? So I'm going to read a little bit more of this. Um, It says, I am unaware of any credible economic study published in a reputable economic journal that has demonstrated that once you control for income, white people save more than blacks, says Hamilton. The Henry Cohen Professor of of Economics and Urban Policy at the New School in New York. He goes on to say, it is obviously the case that if you have more income, you save more because you have more disposable income from which to save. Once you control for income, counter to popular belief, it is a myth that white people save more than black people. Says dig deeper into the reason blacks have have blacks have less to hand down and you unearth systemic racism. Now, again, no one is stopping you from getting a insurance policy, right? No one is stopping you from doing it. Depending on the amount that you get, obviously they want to run some tests on you because I had a um, some tests run on me for a, a policy that I wanted to get. Everything checked out good, and I got you know I got confirmed for the policy. There's nothing stopping you from investing in the stock market, right? There's nothing stopping you ultimately starting a particular business. Now you may run into some variables, into some factors when you get into the scaling process of said business, but those are three particular different things that systemic racism has nothing to do with. You can do those particular different things, right? So, again, I noticed. I was talking to my wife earlier. I said, when you when you when you read what people say, or if you listen to what people say, listen, take them at their word. Don't make the assumption that they are leading you into a different direction. No, assume. Don't well, no, no. Don't assume what you think they're saying. Read it and say, okay, this is what you're saying, right? So when I read this, it says, going back, it says it is obviously the case that if you have more income, you save more. Did not say you invest more. It said you save more. So one of the things that we already know right now is if I take ten thousand dollars and I put it in the bank. And a person takes $10,000 and put it into an index fund. At the conclusion of 10 years, the person that put $10,000 in index fund is going to have more than the initial $10,000 that they put in. Whereas the person that put in the $10,000 
in the savers account, that $10,000 is no longer $10,000 after a 10 year period. So I'm taking you at your word. You said save and not say invest. So, of course, we could probably say that black people save more than white people. And we can say white people invest more than black people. Right. So, again, you said if we can if we control for income, you know, so I'm going to take you at, at what you said. You said save. You didn't say invest. OK. Again, like I said, none of this stuff has anything to do with systemic racism. All right. So moving on. It says African-American families today whose parents and grandparents were denied participation in the equity accumulation boom of the 1950s and the 1960s have greatly have great difficulty catching up now. And I read this, right? This is from the color of law, the forgotten history of how government uh, segregated America. I read that. And that is an issue. That was a particular issue, right? But one of the things that we also have to take into consideration when we add this on, because as great of a book The Color of Law was, I read it, I learned a lot from it. One of the things that when we talk about people being denied participation in equity accumulation is the fact that you put up the years of the 50s and the 60s, right? So one of the things that happened in the 60s is that the, the black family element started to break down. So even in a situation where you were denied access to particular different things, the black family was starting to disintegrate. Daniel Daniel Moynihan talked about it, right? So could I say that if black people had, had not been denied access to these equity building things that it could have kept the black family together? I don't know. But again, the laws were the laws and, thing, and things occurred. I read this, how they written in, wrote into deeds that black people would not be allowed to live in these particular different areas, right? And by and large, still today, America is still segregated in a lot of particular different places. And it's more so, it's segregated now by income, right? It's not by color, it's by income. But obviously, it's still by color because again, if we go back to the top of this article, if white people have $983,000 of wealth and $188,000 worth of wealth, and black people have $24,000 and $142,000, then yeah, we're still segregated by color because black people do not have the same amount of wealth. And also, we also have to take into consideration that, what is, for every one black person, there's two to three white people. So, you know, again, that, that, that also plays a role as well, right? But let's continue. So, um, it says nearly 30% of white families have received an inheritance or gift compared with about 10% of black families, according to the Fed data. Black borrowers are far less likely to receive down payment assistance from their parents delayed home ownership. Let's look at these numbers again. It says nearly 30% of white families have received an inheritance or gift. So that means 70% didn't. All right? Okay. Because again, I'm taking you at what you say. Compared to about 10% of blacks, which means that 90% of black people didn't get it. All right? But 
again, I can guarantee you the 30% that did and the 10% of black that did, I feel like they probably participate in, you know, maybe some stocks and, and, and stuff like that, rental properties and stuff like that. You know, people that do that, right? So I, I have to take it, you know, I have to take you at, what, at your word for what you're saying, right? So moving on, it says for the vast majority of Americans and especially for those who are wealthy, it is wealth that begets more wealth. Hamilton said, he says, so in other words, having the endowment to begin with puts you in an asset that's going to passively appreciate regardless of the decisions that you make. Right. So it says and for more context, right, it says we can find instances in our history in which even when black people were able to acquire those assets, they were subject subject to confiscation, fraud and theft because we remain politically vulnerable, he said. Right. So. That's true. We've 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 by this by now we've all either read or, or seen the documentary on the Tulsa, Oklahoma um, situation. We've heard about situations in which whites came and just took land uh, from black people. You know, we we we've read all these particular different things. But one of the things that I think that also has to be um, pointed out. As I told my wife this, sometimes I see certain things, right? Um, and black people may have things that are left to them, like houses and stuff like that, you know, from a parent that passed away. And they may not want anything to do with the house, so they may just sell the house, right? Or they may have some land or something like that, and they sell the land, right? That's one of the things that also has to be taken to a, into consideration with a lot of this particular stuff, because sometimes black wasn't stolen. It wasn't anything. We just gave it away. Certain black businesses and stuff that blacks didn't want to run, that their parents had, that they that the parents said, hey, we got this business so you can go to college. You ain't got to come back here and work like I work, right? So a lot of this stuff had, you know, those particular statistics also have to be incorporated into these particular studies, right? Because we, we, as much wealth that was taken away or wasn't allowed for us to get into, we also have to look at wealth that was given to us that we didn't do anything with. I tell my wife that, you know, a lot of times uh, when we talk about land and stuff like that, I say we need to get some um, and have it, right? So, um, Moving on down, right? Because it talks about uh, even when it says even when blacks qualify to borrow at the lowest interest rate, they get offered financial products that are inferior regardless of the economic circumstances, he said, right? So, and this is my new favorite one right here. Because again, like I said, if you don't learn anything from me or, or if you don't listen to anything I say, listen to this. When someone says something, or you see them write something or whatever. Take them at their word. Do not assume that they're trying to say something that they're not. If they do not if they do not specify what it is, take them at their word, right? And this is an example of that, right? It says our economy doesn't translate labor market success into wealth the same for blacks as whites. Even among blacks with college degrees, black households headed <clears throat> excuse me, 
by a college graduate have less wealth than white households headed by someone who dropped out of high school. I'm going to take you at your word, right? A college graduate can be a person with an associate's, can be a person with a bachelor's, can be a person with a master's, can be a person with a PhD. I know people with bachelor's and associate associate degrees that are making more money than people with PhDs. I know this. And one of the things I told my wife is that I said, uh, sometimes you have white people that drop out of high school and they may go to a trade school and they may get into a union, an electrician union, a carpenter's union, right? Plumbing union, all these particular different unions. And one of the things that we understand, like in a construction setting, whites have a large presence in that while blacks don't. So a plumber can make just as much as a doctor, an electrician, a carpenter, brick mason, HVAC. They can make just as much as a doctor. So again, if you have an associate's, right? I have an associate's, right? And you know, I, I have a business. I'm, I'm, you know, I drive trucks. I make a lot more money than a lot of people that went to college. I'm not a high school dropout by any stretch of the imagination, but I know people who didn't go to college that drive trucks and make a, a great living, more so than people that went to college because they have student loan debt. But again, I have to take you at your word. So I told my wife I would be hard pressed. I would be very hard pressed, right? If this article said black households headed by a college engineering or a neurosurgeon right I'll be hard pressed if I if, if it said a black college a black household headed by a black engineering graduate or a or a doctor PhD graduate have less wealth than white households headed by someone who dropped out of high school but again I'm I can't assume that's what you mean because you didn't see it. You just said a college graduate, which means a person that you could just have an associate's degree. You just have a bachelor's. You can have a master's. You have a PhD. But again, like I said, there are people with bachelor's and associate's degrees that make more than people with PhDs. And when we look at this particular thing, we understand this phenomenon. When we put these numbers in, there are not a lot of black PhDs. It's not a lot. And and we got people like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates who went to Harvard, didn't finish Harvard, didn't finish, don't have, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm sure they have uh, degrees now, but in reality, they dropped out of college. So realistically speaking, they have high school diploma. They have, you know, they have high school, right? But look at the look at the amount of wealth that they have accumulated by starting a business. So again, like I said, I'm unless you're specifying what you're saying, I have to blow holes through all of this. You know? So and again, it's and like I said, this that's this that's one of the things. Not saying that black people cannot, black kids can't uh drop out and have the opportunities to get into unions and and do all this particular stuff like this, but the data suggests and the data shows uh, 
that white people have a near monopoly on a lot of construction and a lot of things that go along with construction, such as electrical, carpentry, brick masonry, and HVAC. They have a near monopoly on them, on those particularly different things, which is a complete opposite effect of what it was coming in coming out of slavery and going into Reconstruction era, when black people in the South were the most skilled, when black people were being recruited to the North to work on jobs over white workers, so much so that they had to form unions to preserve their jobs, right? So, I mean, so, we it's a great article, man, you know. But when you read articles like this, make sure you read exactly what they're saying and then critically think about it. Because, again, if you're not critically thinking, when you look at it and you say, black households headed by a college graduate have less wealth than a white household headed by someone who dropped out of high school, that's systemic racism. Without realizing that, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I have a friend that's a RN with an associate's degree, making forty to fifty thousand dollars. You see what I'm saying? And I know a person that has a master's degree in social work or something like that, and a person with an associate's making more. So, it's so so. Realistically, this is a true statement. It says our economy doesn't translate labor market success into wealth. Right? It doesn't. Because people are going to pay you for things that you can do. So like I said, you, you, you have to take a person at what they're saying. If this is what they say, nail them to the cross for it, right? No pun intended, right? But anyway, that's another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. Like I said, we'll have more visual podcasts up on the Paradigm 132 uh, YouTube channel. So go check that out. Go check out uh, all of the past podcasts, you know. Go check all of the past podcasts out, right? But anyway, that's another episode of Paradigm 132 Podcast. We'll be back to you again next week. Peace.